Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. It is always humble for me to stand before you. Uh, it is a challenge. The way that I see myself uh, sharing the Word of God in front of His people is with the desire that God will speak to you and that you will make a conscious decision about your personal walk with Jesus. Well, most preachers will tell you, come back next Sunday to listen to, my, to the next part of the sermon. I am preaching to you like if this was my, my last sermon. I'm not kidding. This is my desire. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. So I come to you with the understanding that this might be my last sermon or that this might be your last sermon. And we ought to be ready. Once again, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 17. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priest, priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were rigorous in the sight of God or serving all the Lord's commands and decreed blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both, they were both very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning the incense, the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I know it's not Christmas time and it's not Easter yet. 
So this passage we, we tend to read during Christmas time, but I think it's very appropriate for the season that we find ourselves in. When you, what Luke does in this narrative is remarkable. So he starts this, his narrative basically establishing a parallel between John and Jesus. And he does this in a very special way because he points out how, how the angel, Gabriel, which I believe is the third time that he is mentioned in the Bible here, the first time I believe it was in Daniel, he comes and appears to the, the, the priest Zechariah with a message of a miracle that will be taking place in his wife or taking place in both of them. Luke moved from there and it shows how this happened in Elizabeth and it shows how this happened in Mary. And after this, he also shows how the, both the parents praised the Lord for the miracle that has taken place. And then, then the, the presentation of each child is just it's very incredible how God started putting things in places. So when you think about John, you could say that John is a man with many qualities, but one purpose. And I was thinking about that. And of course, if you read the verse 16 and 17, you, you will understand what, I, what I'm saying. You know, he had many qualities, but one purpose. But, the purpose pre, pre, but his main purpose was what? To prepare the people to receive the coming Messiah. And I was thinking about that, and I said, wow, this is very special. So it speaks of, you know, the need that existed first in his family. And I was thinking about that. How many years the Zechariah prayed for a child? We do not know. For how long he has been married? We do not know. For how long has Elizabeth been wanting to have a child? We do not know. How many things do they try in order to get this child? We do not know. But one thing we know and is that they were faithful to God in the midst of all. Amen. They were faithful to God. So uh, in, in the time of Zechariah, according to the Bible, there were probably between 18 to 20,000 male priestly descendants in the city of Jerusalem. So it was impossible for every one of them to serve in the house of the Lord all the time. So they were divided into 24 courses, and Abijah belonged to the egg uh, group. So in twice a year, for one week, a family had the responsibility to serve in the temple of the Lord. Twice a year. Some of the writers said that to come into the holy place and present the incense before the Lord was an experience of a lifetime. So probably most of the priests were never able to have this special opportunity to enter into the holy place and present the incense before the Lord. The pastor spoke a few weeks ago in reference to Revelation 5 when, when, the, you know, when, when, when the incense go before the Lord and the incense represent the prayer of the saints and, how, and what does it mean to, to the Lord, this beautiful smell that causes God to, to move on behalf of his people. 
the Bible describes in verse, uh, in verse 5 and 6, you know, that his wife was also a priestly descendant. So this both, both of these people were special to God. They came from a very special land. They were righteous. They, were, they walked before the Lord not just by saying things. They lived a life that was pleasing to the Lord. And you could say, but they had a problem. They had a problem. They had no children. And in this culture, Zechariah was free to give her a divorce, to walk away from the marriage. It was acceptable. Nobody would say anything if he did that. But he loved this woman. And he stayed with her in spite of some people seeing that I was a misfavor from the Lord for not having a child. But God is always working. Even when we don't see it, God is at work. Just like the song said. And God's timing is completely different from our, time, from our times. Sometimes he walks, works right away. Sometimes it takes a long time for him to work. But he's never late. His timing is perfect. Amen. You can praise the Lord. I don't charge you for that. Amen. So she was not able to conceive and she, they were old. What does that remind you? Remember Abraham and Sarah? They couldn't have a child. It was impossible. From the, from the, so from the human point of view, it was impossible. Now, Luke is writing, and Luke is what? Luke is a doctor, so he was very interesting in the details surrounding John's birth and Jesus' birth. And the narrative that you find in here, you will not find in any other the gospel or any other book of the New Testament. The interesting thing about this part of the, of, the book, of, of, the, of the book of the passage is the fact that, you know, God spoke for the last time in a very audible boy 400 years ago through Malachi. And God said that he will send his messenger to prepare the way. And here we are. What is God doing again? The same message from the last prophet. Now it's being repeated again in the New Testament. God is going to raise up a man that will prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And in order for the coming Messiah to appear, to be manifest, the people had to be ready to meet him. Once, once, verse 8, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. And again, this was due to the large number of priests that were living in Jerusalem. Uh, 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 that, uh, not only living in Jerusalem, that were part of the Levites. He was chosen according to the lot, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the incense, and, they, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. You know, it was customary that when the priests went into the holy place, not the holiest of holiest, the people were outside waiting for the priest to come out and bestow a blessing or pronounce a blessing upon them. Now, 
What is fascinating for me is that some of them probably were praying for, especially praying for themselves. Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need money. Lord, I need a house. Lord, touch my body. Lord, work in my marriage. Lord, do something. But probably some of them were praying, God, this is, might be the last opportunity that Zachariah, your servant's heart, to minister before you. So for your name's sake, we ask you to do something special for him and his wife. And I can see that. You know, and I can probably, uh, I can feel probably the excitement and Zacharias to be able to go for the first time in the presence of the Lord and burn the incense before him and, and having the opportunity to smell it by himself. So if he could say it was cool, imagine what God himself was thinking about it. You know, and as he, and as he walked into the presence of the Lord and the, and the smoke and the smell is rising, God is paying attention and say, yes, I'm going to listen to his prayer. Not only because he's praying, but I also know that there's so many people praying on their behalf that I had to do something for them. Because even though they have suffered much, they are still walk, walking faithfully before me. Hallelujah. There's a good uh, sermon over here about never giving up. You know, we tend to, to go before the Lord and pray for an hour, two days, three days. We tell the Lord we're going to fast for five days, 40 days, whatever. We tell the Lord that we're going to change some habits. And as soon as those things don't change for us, what do we do? We go back to the same lifestyle, or the same shenanigans that we were doing before. But the Bible says that they walk blameless before the Lord. And you could say that there were probably people that will point out to them and say, you guys are not favored by God. Because you don't have what I have. And there were probably people pointing at them just the same thing that Hannah was being pointed out by her rival. But they still walk faithfully. Before the Lord. Those assembled worships outside. They were praising God. And then the angel of the Lord. Appeared to him. And standing at the right side. Of, of the altar of incense. When, uh, when Zechariah saw him. He was startled. And was gripped with fear. But the angel said. Do not be afraid. Zechariah. You what? Your prayers has been heard. I wonder if it, the, the idea of a child was the last thing on Zechariah's mind at that moment. I wonder if his, his prayer was, Lord, just let me be in your presence. Because it's better one day in your presence than thousands as well. I wonder if his design was, God, if, he, if I'm not going to die, let me die like this, serving you. This is beautiful. You pray having heard, and the angels tell him, he said, you know, God is going to bless you. God is going to give you something that you've been praying for. God has 
hear your prayer. Your wife will bear a child, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a light to you. And you can see this fulfilled right away when he is born. In chapter 1, verse 57 and 58, say, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. So not only was he a great joy to them, but he was also a rejoice and a joy to those around them because they have seen that God is a faithful God. You know, and just like he, you can see this child, just like Samuel, now God is going to give them a child, but this child had a purpose, and his purpose again is to prepare a people for the Lord. And you will say, well, but, but where? How, how he was about to prepare people for the Lord? And I, I can see three things that he needed to do in order to, pre- to prepare the people for the Lord. The first one is that he needed to call the people to repentance. It is impossible to meet the Lord if you're walking in a way that is not pleasing to him. It is impossible. Before the people can come to the Lord, they first need to have a change of heart. They need to have to change their behavior. They need to have to change the things that they value the most. They have to understand that in the presence of God, only holy things can access to him. See, at the time of Zechariah, Jerusalem was a financial hub because of the temple. Traders from many countries will come into Jerusalem and trade their goods. With all the buildings, the construction that was going on at the time, and the time before and prior by Herod, he was buying material from many people, and these people will come into Jerusalem and sell their goods. He also had to deal with the fact that people have forgotten their roots, the, the, the relationship that they have with God uh, in, in that particular time, and now they're worshiping uh, religiosity because they worship the temple rather than worshiping God himself. You see, a house cannot be greater than its purpose for which was built. I keep saying a, a, a building is just a building, and it can be a beautiful building, but it always will be just a building if it does not honor the presence of the Lord in it. And I, and I think about, you know, his, his position on calling the people to repentance. And, 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 and there were so many groups in particular in Jerusalem at this time. Their heart was in the wrong place. 
And you think, if you think about the patriarchs, you think about Abraham, you think about Isaac, you think about Jacob, the walk in a way that it was pleasing to the Lord. But this generation had turned away from the Lord. So they needed to turn back to God before they could receive the coming Messiah. Are you there? He needed to call them to repentance. They needed a change of attitude. They needed a change of heart. They needed to be uh, transformed. And we can see that as we read along the passage. So uh, you can see in Luke chapter 2, sorry, Luke chapter 3, when he is calling the people to repentance. In verse um, uh, 3, he said, he went into all the country around, around the Jordan. 3.3 3 of Luke said, he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. You want to be ready? Then you need to repent from your sins. I want to be ready. I have to repent from my sins. So, and we need to understand that without a turning away from our sins, we will not be entering into the kingdom of God. He's calling. You need to repent. The second thing that he did was not only to call the people into repentance, but he called the people into, uh, in, into unity. He called them together. So he prepared the people first by calling them to repentance, second by bringing them together. He said that right here in, chapter, in verse 17, he said that he will what? In verse 17, he will turn the hearts of the father to what? To their children. Now, what do we have to deal in Jerusalem during this time? You have a number of political and religious groups. You have the Galileans, you have the Herodians, you have the Levites, you have the Pharisees, you have the publicans, the, the Sadducees, the Samaritans, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Zealot. And each one of these groups was pulling their own way. No, I am the righteous one. We are the righteous one. You guys need to change the way and come to our group so that you guys can be like us. And if you guys are like us, then we can be brothers and sisters again. Each one of them thought that they had the right answer. Each one of them thought that they were doing the right thing, but we know that they were not. They needed to come into agreement and understand that only by what? By repenting from their sins and receiving the teachings of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, they will be ready for the coming of the Messiah. Looking ahead. I was uh, checking some of the Bible verses, especially in the book of, of John, how he is bringing the people together and telling them, hey, these are the things that you guys need to do. Let's go to John real quick, the first uh, few chapters of the book of John. So 
So John, in, in, in the verse 19, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leader in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him whom he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Verse 22, finally they said, who you, are, who you are? Give us an answer. And he tells them, what? John replied in the word of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And when you think about this, when uh, in ancient time, when leaders were to travel, they will send a delegation ahead of them that will remove the debris and clear the path, the, the trees or whatever. So they make it, it's like they're making on a highway so that the leader could go through. So in order for the Messiah to come, they needed to prepare the way. And I like here because when, when, when you think about this passage, the Bible said that that was going to be John's respons responsibility. So John had a, a really good job. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. So his job was directing people to what? Uh, to the coming of the Messiah. He called them to repentance. He called them together and said, this disunity or divisions is not working. And I think that that's one of the things that we at Riverstone are thriving or working hard, that, you will, that we will be united in our purpose, in our goal, in our worship, in our service. We want to be a people of the world. We want to be a people that serve God with one heart. Call them together. You know, and I think that when you call the people together, our mind changes. Because I, I, then I don't see myself as, though, uh, you know, as the one that is being served, but I'm just a, as a part of the body. You know, this morning I wanted to leave, leave this shoulder behind at the house, but man, he won't let me, leave me alone. It's my shoulder and it's attached to the body. You know, and in here we can be different. We can think different, but we have to walk, work toward the same goal, which is what? Getting ready for the coming, for the second coming of the Messiah. Getting ready for the second coming of the Messiah. So John is pointing people to repentance. So in, in John is preparing the way. He called them together. So John said, uh, in, in the book of John, you say, John said to the crowd coming out to be baptized by him, you brought up vipers who warn you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do? Then the people start asking. John answered, anyone who has two shirts 
will share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. And even the task collector can to be baptized. Teacher, they ask, what should we do? Don't collect any more than what you are required. He told them. The soldiers came asking, and what should we do? He replied, don't take money away. Don't extort money. And don't accuse people falsely. So he calling them together. Amen. And you can see all these different groups right here recognizing, hey, we need to change our ways. Because otherwise, we are not going to be ready. He called them together. And lastly, one of the things that I enjoy the most by reading this passage is that John, the man of many qualities, but one purpose, his main reason was what? Pointing the people to Jesus. You could take everything else, but his main job was to point people to Jesus. How? You think about the prophet Elijah that this passage speaks. Well, Elijah was a, a zealous person. I mean, he will not take uh, anything easy when it came to disobedience. He was a man that was willing to, to be persecuted by, by his conviction. He was a man who was willing uh, to, to uh, you know, to, to tell the truth even when he hurt. He was a man that was willing to tell the truth even when, when that meant that he was going to get himself into conflict. He had a heart for the things of the Lord. You can read this clearly in First Kings 17 when he challenged the people. And in book and, and 18, he challenged the people say, For how long were you weighed between two decisions? If it, these gods are gods, then serve him. But if it, the Lord is the Lord, then change your way. Because you cannot please him by moving in both directions. You cannot. You can only please him by serving him with all your heart. And as you read this passage right here, again, you can, you can see all the quality that he had in verse 15. Luke 1, 15 says, He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Listen, he will bring many so his job was what? Point the people to Jesus. It doesn't matter what we're doing here. If we're not pointing people to Jesus, we fail. We fail. We fail. And I pray that we never fall short when it comes to the reason why this church was established. I pray that we never fail. You see the times, though, how hard they are right now. You see all the confusion, confusions. You see all the fears. You see all the struggle. I mean, somebody just like manipulating the gas pump every minute. You pass by, and it's one price. You go two minutes later, it's another price. It's like a bug inside the pump. You go to the grocery store, you pay one thing now, you go next day, and the price are changed. And people are just in fear. 
One can tell you that the only way that can calm the people's minds and hearts is by pointing them to Jesus. You know, we sing that song, It is well with my soul. And sadly is to say that so many believers right now, they're just struggling to find peace. You know why? Because there's too much entertainment in the church today. Our job as the body of Christ is to, is to look like Christ, is to think like Christ. Our job as the body of Christ is to be ready as a bride, ready for the bridegroom. As a job as the body of Christ is to help our brothers and sisters to understand that everything that we see here, it will pass. Our job as the body of Christ is to know that God is faithful and he will come back just like he said that he would. Just like he said he would. John 1, 32 and 34 said, Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the chosen one. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, he's telling the people, yeah, you can can look at me. Yes, I, I, I look kind of weird right now. You know, I'm baptizing you with water, but this is nothing comparing to the one that is coming after me will do for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is nothing. This is nothing. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 3, 15 and 16 say, the people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might be possible, the Messiah. John answered them, them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more than powerful than I will come. The straps of the sandals are not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. So th this is, you know, Luke is writing things, you know, first thing that he investigated and said, this is a testimony of some of the witnesses of Jesus. And I can tell you that the, their job was just to point out to the coming Messiah. The people need to have their heart ready in order to uh, to receive the Messiah. Relo rel religiosity cannot save you. Looking good cannot save you. A good family name cannot save you. The John told the people, your ancestor cannot save you. God can raise up ancestors from the storm if he pleases him. So the only way that you can be saved is by what? Uh, by Jesus himself. By Jesus himself, hallelujah. And the people has to be ready. You know, in Exodus 19, when God called uh, Moses, uh, God is calling Moses to come to Mount Sinai. He told Moses, prepare the people. For three days, you need to sanctify the people. Because unless we prepare, we cannot meet with him. So he called them to repentance. He called them together and he pointed them to Jesus. You can see this in, in the way that John presented Jesus in the seven I am. I am the bread of life. 
Ebrezu same physical life. I am the light of the world. The world, the world in, to a world in darkness, Christ is himself a guy. I am the door of the sheep. Jesus protects his followers. I am the resurrection and the life. That is not the final word for those who believe in Christ. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is committed to caring and watching for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I am the true vine. And if you're not attaching me, you attach yourself to the wrong thing. You attach yourself to the wrong thing. See, John is giving testimony. And Matthew 17, 16 and 17 says, John's message will be one that is echoed by Jesus himself during his early ministry. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow, uh, of, of uh, living in the shadow, and he called them what? Shadow of death and light has down. From that time, on, from the time of Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is, uh, for the kingdom of God is near. John 1, 20, 23. John decided his preaching was not to turn the people to himself, but rather turn the people to God. Jesus, the coming Messiah, was the center focus of his preaching. And he said, then, then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, then who are you? Give us an answer. And John replied in verse 23, I am in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make a straight what? Make a straight away. And if you go to John chapter 3 with me, there's a portion over there that I love. John chapter 3. And we're going to see verse 25 and following. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and certain Jews over the matter of ceremonial watching. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan... The one who testify about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is what? Going to him. You know, it's like a good reason for jealousy right here, right? It's the probably, you know, some preachers today, they feel very jealous about our coming leaders to the point that not only that they're jealous of the coming leaders, they're jealous of Jesus being more popular than themselves. And serious about that. So they tell John, look, he's baptizing and people are not coming to us. We were here before he was. We started the whole thing. You are the one that, you know, that has to be in place. But John replied in 27 said, then John, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given to us, to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am now the Messiah, but I, I am sent 
ahead of him. Then the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. And he is full of joy when his heart, when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine. And now it is complete. He must become greater. And I must wow. Wow, this is powerful. This is incredible. John has to call his disciple. Hey, let me tell you one thing again. Let me put your let me get this straight with you. I told you in the beginning, I had a job to do. And my job is not point you to me, but point you to him. So the interesting thing about this chapter is that after this, John disappeared. You know? And then Jesus is the one performing the signs and the preachings and doing everything. John understood his role, preparing the way for the Messiah. See, my question is, you know, just like in John's time, they were waiting for the first coming of the Messiah. Now we are an expectation for the second coming of him. What is our job? What is our role? Where are we today? What is the expectation? To me, it's very sad when churches do not preach about the second coming of the Lord. And the reason why is because if you don't preach about the second coming of the Lord, then there is no need to be ready. There is no need. There is no expectation. And that's why you see many believers running up and down, like chickens with a head cut off, like many said, trying to find an answer to their needs. Because there is no expectation. It is vital for a church that believes in a risen Christ and talk about that he is coming back to hear about or his coming. So what is our job? Our job, first of all, is to understand the signs of the time. So Jesus tells his disciples, when you see the signs, what? Be ready. Be on the lookout because your redemption is what? It's drawing near. So the people need to be ready. The redemption is near. So we cannot be ready unless we understand our role in our walk with Christ. So we have to be aware all the time. Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. A lot of part I say, don't. Bow down your head, you know, don't walk with discouragement. Lift up your head. Because things are about to change. And not change for goodbye, but change for good. Yeah. Amen. Lift up your head. And you know, you have so many Christians working. I mean, what is the joy of their salvation? 
See, but that's because we're not preaching about the second coming of the Messiah. The second thing that we have to do is walk in righteousness. A people that is ready is the people walking in righteousness before him. Now, but if we don't preach about the, coming, the second coming of the Messiahs, then there is no need to walk in righteousness. I invite you to listen to Pastor McCready's presentation yesterday on his, uh, the need to walk in holiness before the Lord. It was a really good presentation. And I'm sorry you miss it. But it's online if you want to listen. There's a hand down in the back as well that you can take. We need to be aware that if we're not walking in righteousness, we will not be able to meet our Creator. So Colossians 3, 1 and 2 say, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Since you have been raised with Christ, what? Set your heart. Set your heart. You know, the seed of everything. And put them in the right place. First Peter 4, 7 and 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober. And sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers what? Multitude of sins. Peter 3, first, second Peter 3, 11 and 12. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people you ought to be? You ought to live what? Holy and godly lives. Matthew 7, 21. 23, not everyone who said to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name and do, not, eh, eh, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Because you can do mighty things for the Lord, but if you're not walking in righteousness, you're not really doing anything. Third thing, you must be a witnessing believer. Do we believe Christ is coming back again? You have to share the message. You have to share. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give uh, the reason for the hope that you have. Always ready. You know, when people see the joy that you have, I mean, Sister Dolores, uh, you know, she, she has no joy. <laughs> You never know what is going to happen when she's in the front. <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. The joy of the Lord is what it causes you to be at peace when everything around you 
has fallen apart. So in the people around you see you and they say, why do you behave that way? Great opportunity. Be ready to give an answer. And the reason is, is because I have a hope that my Savior is coming back again. And everything that you see the way it is right now, it will never be the same. Hallelujah. It will never be the same. First Thessalonians 5, 6. So, so then let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. So be a witnessing believer. And lastly, be an encouragement to one another. Encourage one another. I mean, things are really difficult this day. I had been so encouraged by all the testing that you guys have sent me uh, in the last couple of weeks. That is amazing. I work in churches since I was probably 12 years old, pretty much. And I have made many friends and many enemies along the way. But I never had a church that would be so mindful of the little sheep as you are. And I'm not saying this to brag on you. I'm telling you this because it's what it means to me. It caused me to check myself up. It caused me to be great, uh, grateful. And it caused me to be humble for this time. See, you, we had to encourage one another. You had no idea how Sometimes a simple word can mean so much to, to someone. I, I, I told you uh, the story when I was working uh, for the county of Abemao years ago. And I was going through one of the most difficult part of my life. And a non-Christian told me, no worry, you don't have to worry about anything. If you, had to get, if you lose your job because the county was cutting position at that time, she said to me, if you lose your job, I get you another job. Doing what? I do not know, but I get you another job. Man, and that built me up like, I said, God, you are so good because you have used this person who doesn't have respect for you to care for me. You see, and, and, and you will say, well, this doesn't match too much with the encouragement. It does match encouragement because what I'm telling you is words that you can say and action that you can take can really make a difference in someone's life. Hebrew 10, 20, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may support one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up what? And meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's not, hold on a little longer. You can make it. You can make it. You know, some of us are running this Christian, Christian this this. This Christian race in a way that we do not care for our brothers and sisters who are struggling. And we need to stop and think about them. Amen. 
I'm not telling you to do what they're doing, but I'm telling you to take the time to care for them and to love them and to encourage them and to pray. You're quiet now. I'm serious about that. We have to encourage one another. Romans 15:5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. May he give you the same attitude of mind to encourage others with the mind that Jesus had. Encourage one another. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and you may stand. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because that, the, that you labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you're working for the Lord, I encourage you to keep on doing it. It's not in vain. So we have to encourage one another. So where are you today and you walk, walk with the Lord? Are you prepared to meet the Messiah? I would love to have um, the music ministry to please, uh, come. Are you prepared to meet with the Messiah? If Jesus were to come today, are you prepared? Are you prepared? As I mentioned, our desire is not to entertain you. I mean, our desire is that you will commit your life to the Lord in a way that you know with certainty that it doesn't matter what time of the day He comes, you are ready to go to meet with Him. I go to always be to point people to him. So I ask you to bow your head. And if you need prayer this morning, the altar is open. If you need encouragement, if you need to repent, if you need a desire to be a witness for the Lord, if you are afraid of the sign of the times, I mean, just know things going to get better. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, you are good. And I thank you for your visitation in this place this morning. I thank you for the way that you speak to us, O oh God. And I thank you for the obedience that your people have. I pray, O oh God, that you will open our eyes and ears to hear your word. Pray that we'll be obedient 
through the leading of your Holy Spirit, O God. And I pray that as we see, O God, the signs of the times, that we will be encouraged by your word. You're coming back again, O Lord. And I pray that if it was for some reason, O God, our focus is not on you, that you will help us, O God, to turn back to you and make the adjustment and the changes that are necessary in order, O God, for us to run the right race. If you feel the need to come to the altar this morning, you can do so. And if you just want to pray and worship the Lord in here, if you need prayer for strength or for encouragement, I ask you to come. The Lord knows you. God, thank you so much. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. God, we are getting ready for you come. We are ready for you coming, O oh Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for those who are not ready, that you will speak to them today. And that we will, God, again, correct what is necessary and confess what needs to be confessed. And order, O oh God, We want to be in your presence, O oh God, hallelujah. Have your way in our midst right now, O oh God, have your way. Have your way in our midst, O oh Lord, have your way. God, you are so good. You are so merciful, you are so kind, you are so great. You are so powerful, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, because you speak to the hearts of the mind of your people. And you restore what is broken. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you because you never leave us or forsake you. Thank you because you are faithful and true. You are faithful. Oh God, thank you. Help us to have the expectation that you are coming back again for us, oh God. As we see the season change, oh God. And as we see people running up and down, give us a heart and a desire, God, to tell them that there is hope. There is hope. And the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah. And the mighty name of Jesus. A people ready for you. To make a people ready for you. Let it be the, the, the river stone desire, oh God, to make a people ready for you. Let it be our desire, oh God, to make a people ready for you. In Jesus' name, oh God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.